music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and this week on the show, our music editor Sharon Hyland joins us to talk about music documentaries and which ones you should totally check out. We then open up our vintage vault and have an awesome conversation with Josh Lloyd of British band Jungle, discussing their album Loving in Stereo, their fantastic single called Keep Moving, why they decided to launch a music label, and what music influences the band, and how that affects the music that they produce today. And here's the thing, if you have never listened to music from Jungle, you absolutely must. It is so uplifting and I cannot wait for you to hear their interview follow us on Instagram Kelly Alexander show happy to welcome back to the Kelly Alexander show our music editor Sharon Hyland hello Sharon hello Kelly I feel like I haven't had enough time to miss you <laughs> oh, come on now no nah. uh, we had such a great segment last week that you're back again uh, happy to be wanted- here uh, thank you very much. I wanted to talk about the um, this article that popped up in my feed about the Spice Girls. And I love how it's like a rumor right now. So rumor is that the Spice Girls will be celebrating a 30th anniversary with a Netflix doc. Uh, and the rumor is that they will be paid uh, one million pounds each. Nice. Eh? Um, so we'll see. But I love how it's like still rumor, like nothing has been decided yet. But I mean, everybody and their grandmother has been doing documentaries over the last couple of years, especially I think that kickstarted really in in uh, pandemic. For sure. You know, and now it's obviously the thing to do. Uh, but I so I have questions about um me, you know, documentaries, music documentaries in general, but I will start with Spice Girls. How would you feel about a 30th anniversary? I am all in. And honestly... I cannot believe it hasn't happened yet. Agreed. All things considered, all of the things that you just said about um, documentaries being a whole big thing through uh, through the pandemic, and it's not like throw together stuff easy either. Like these are uh, well done documentaries, literally putting the emphasis on documenting the careers of these people, and who wins? Everybody wins. So. Um, the fa- I think maybe what's slowed their process down is, you know, the rumors of them touring. Um, and those are kind of, th- we've been riding on those for years, um, yeah. on our other podcast. <laughs> and also I think because they did the movie way back when that was kind of a sneak peek into the fabulous existence that, that is, um, you know, being a spice girl and, and what their impact has been on the world and things like that. But, Having said all that, why is there no documentary yet? And of course, there's going to be a documentary. If there's this much detail about the rumor mill and, you know, how much each could make, it's happening. No question. Add to that, in my opinion, the fact that uh, Victoria is already sort of, um, and I was going to say in bed with, but I'm not going to. She's at the lunch table with Netflix already for the Beckham series. Mm-hmm. that you know hey why don't we do you know it's right there the conversation's right there mm-hmm. i like that and also what we've both read about uh there the chance of her getting her own documentary after all of this too and in, in her rise to fame completely outside of what the spice girls brought to the world mm-hmm. so yeah it's happening come on it sounds like too like in the article that i had sent you um that they might be trying to tie it to a glastonbury Oh, yeah, that's true. There was a performance uh, attachment to it. And oh, my gosh, wouldn't that be amazing? Glastonbury is this everlasting festival of uh, 
like weeks and great big names and just like hordes of people that that almost make a pilgrimage to go there and if th- it makes complete sense that that's what they would that that's where they would be mm-hmm. complete sense to me anyways and i feel like uh because remember there was a few years there where for sure victoria wanted nothing to do with coming back to spiceland yeah. but I feel like over the last little while, it seemed it's almost like Justin Timberlake returning to NSYNC. Like it's it's palpable and it's could be happening. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think but, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Victoria has the left leg kick out. Well, she's got that going for her. That's for sure. She's dead. But I just I feel like she's more open to it. And I felt like Justin was more open to you know, testing the waters. Like so, they, they've been the holdouts for this, for this thing moving forward in full. Is that what you're yes, saying? Yes, in full, right? Because I, I yeah. mean, because like, I mean, there, I know, for example, for InSync, it had been discussed for years that like they, sh- they could have got back as a four piece because even Backstreet Boys for a while, Kevin hadn't come back. Right. They, they were out as a four piece. Um, so I think they could have, but it just wouldn't have had the full octane without Justin, right? True. It, it, so, but, and, and like, I mean, and I do say because Victoria bowed out, you know, I think, you know, fairly early on, uh, not early on in the, 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 the rise and the, when they were dominating everything, but like, I think the four girls could go on without her, but she is the X factor in the fact that we just want all five together. Right. So. And also how many years was Jerry out? Uh, a, a good few. I don't know if it was three or four. And they, they did shows without her. So they, they did that yeah. they could do it as a four in a different formation mm-hmm. um i think they all had stuff to do mm-hmm. so we'll see like how this goes but i yeah like like you said all for it um i think it'll be fantastic i think like you said too i it should be attached maybe to that glastonbury thing maybe they're trying oh. to get that worked out because that, that leads me to my next conversation which is the tlc doc which came out earlier this year yeah and that was tied to i think glastonbury also they had done the big festival and that was oh, part yeah. of yeah so i don't know if that's like it's almost like i i feel like some of these things want to tie them to some big you know makes sense it's almost like a new album and a tour so it's a new doc and a tour it makes complete sense yeah so we'll see so i wanted to ask you though for this year what other documentaries floated your boat and i will just say that um i really liked wham i really liked the tlc and i've just finished watching beckham even though that's not a music thing but i just finished watching that I, uh, musically, I loved Wham. It made my heart so happy to have that section of, uh, George Michael and Andrew Ridgely's career. So the roots of what became a huge solo career for George Michael, uh, started, um, you know, 40 years ago with two young guys who are just trying to have some fun and, and we're making like Britpop. You know, uh, and that was a huge part of the soundtrack to my high school experience. So that's why it made my heart really happy. But I I was happy to see the credit that Andrew was given mm-hmm. and the credit that Andrew gave George, because we can all speculate as to who did what and who did more of this and less of that or whatever. But it doesn't matter. They know what each of them brought to the table. And clearly, you know, the way everything played out uh one had a greater drive to do it and perhaps a a, a stronger uh talent when it came to you know taking it to the next level or bringing it you know putting it in the next gear whatever uh euphemism you want to use so 
but I was just happy that Andrew got some credit. And I was happy that, uh, you know, I think it was his mother, right? That kept all the, uh, all the clippings and the pictures and the, and all the accolades from their very beginnings. Cause that was so fun to see. I mean, it really gave root to, um, to the whole experience. Like they were just kids. Yeah. I really love too, like, like you said, with the relationship and the fact that I think Andrew needed to get that, not needed, obviously he's fine in what his life has turned out to be, but I think for all of us, it was really important to see just how much he influenced George to be okay in his own skin. Yeah. He was a friend. Yeah. And he needed to see Andrew kind of be flamboyant and see how it, you know, and just be himself and like, and then it's okay for George. And then, and then George obviously took it to his next level to be that solo star. And, Mm -hmm. and I just think they were such a good, they were such a good match to make that work. And the fact that they literally became like the, basically the biggest band in the world in a span, like it's crazy. Yeah. And to think that, I mean, pointing out that um, Andrew was a friend to George. And when we see George and images of George and think back to him at the end of his life, in that section of time, it didn't seem like he had uh, a ready amount of friends or, that he was going to them so mm-hmm. he maybe you know um rec- what's the word i'm looking for he not that he became a recluse but he sort of went inside a little bit so it was nice to know that there were friendships that were there for george at all times mm-hmm. whether we saw them or not and again yeah. we talk about this a lot where we say it's none of our business it isn't what they've given us artistically is a lot of our business, literally business, because we buy the stuff. Mm-hmm. But what it's meant to us over the course of our lives, that that matters. But it's nice to have those, I think it's nice to have those feelings of of uh, closure or completion for the people that we love in that way. Mm-hmm. I'm just happy for them. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so that was an amazing doc. And then did you watch the TLC one? Did you get a chance to see it? I don't think I did watch that one. Okay. That's still a possibility. I was able to get it on TV. Like I didn't, it wasn't, where did I get it? I might've been on BET. I feel like it might've been on BET. Anyways, uh, that was amazing. And I, like they, like I said, they tied it to the festival performance and it was interesting the way that they handled a lot of that documentary in the fact that they had T-Boz and Chili sitting in a movie theater or in a screening room watching old footage and watching them comment on, oh, remember when we did that Grammy performance? Like, remember? And then obviously Lisa's not there. And it was interesting to watch how they talked about her and, and what she brought to the group and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. It was a really, it was a different take on doing a doc because they were watching themselves and you watching them watch themselves. It's sort of, it's interesting. It's like a legit reaction to, you know, maybe it's a, well, it has to be a different angle to their experience, them watching themselves, you know, and it sparks those memories, I'm sure, in a way that it's maybe even a bit startling for them, but it gives them another dimension of their own experience, which I think is cool. So, yes, I will watch that, Kelly. Yes, definitely watch it. It was absolutely stunning. And last thing, um, this is a documentary that's been out for a couple of years now, but The Black Godfather, I'd watched it a few years ago, but if you have a chance to watch that. Avant? Yes. Yeah. Clarence Avant. I haven't seen that yet, but I just saw his daughter on something the other day. Oh, did you? He just passed yeah. away recently, right? So it wasn't yes. that long, like maybe a couple months at this point. But he got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year, mm-hmm. and yeah, he passed away. 
And we're right around the induction ceremony now. And our, our good friend, uh, or I hope I wish him to be uh, George Michael is getting, <laughs> yeah. is getting in there also. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot going on, but um, yeah, music documentary is amazing. Is there any artist? just last question before I let you go. Uh, is there an artist or a band that you would like to see get a doc that you haven't seen yet? You know what? I'm just happy when they come out. I don't feel like I don't know anything about the, the bands that I love. I could go back a couple of years and I was super thrilled with the Go-Go's documentary, which if you haven't seen yet is uh, very worth your time. Um, there was another one. I think of all the things that we watched over the course of uh, of the pandemic. And one of them actually was not, it was on a band from Canada called The Band. And the name of the documentary is Once We're Brothers. And it gives such history uh, or even respect to the history of what these guys contributed to music period and how they were influenced and just how they lived. And it's, it, it, it humanizes these people that were giants in music. And really by title, once we're brothers, like legit, you live together. You're almost a communal existence, but you're, you're, you're raison d'être. Your reason for living is making music. How amazing is that to be able to, to be young enough to think that, yes, I can do that with my life and then it work out. Yeah. So that's yeah, awesome. that's a good and one you too. and I both I uh, should mention we both got to go see um, two nine nine uh, Queen Street West, which yeah. is the much music. So for our American friends that are listening right now, that's basically the Canadian version of um, MTV, and yeah. it was amazing uh, to watch that and just yeah because that sparked so many memories. Also, like just like it was just such a time you know like oh that was two thousand two oh that was nineteen ninety eight like it was just yeah easy to see that so yeah if anybody has the opportunity please watch that because I know it's coming to Crave in Canada in december and hopefully um i think american uh fans again friends of ours that are listening right now should tune in because many of your artists came up to canada and had a great oh, time oh yeah so. and in typical canadian fashion we're always sort of trying to prove that no we we are okay we did it different you know like <laughs> we are inspired certainly by our neighbors to the south of us but there's a real difference between how the vjs on much music um uh, conducted themselves, did the interviews. I thought one of the key things that uh, was pointed out in the documentary, I think it was in, or maybe the Q&A after, but they pointed out that uh, the VJs on uh, MTV were also celebrities right. because of them being on MTV. Um, so it was celebrities interviewing celebrities. And the difference in the approach to interview styles that seemed a little obvious to um, the director, at least, that put this documentary 299 Queen, Sweet, Queen Street West together was that the VJs on Much Music were like music fans and just wanted to talk about the music. They didn't have like a celebrity agenda. Right. And yeah. with no offense to uh, to the VJs on MTV at all. This mm -hmm. is a completely different style and sort of interesting to because I've seen both. We've experienced both. Mm -hmm. And it's true. It's just interesting to point out those differences. Exactly. Sharon Highland, thank you very much. Kel, good chat. That is our music editor, Sharon Highland. Don't forget to follow her on Instagram at the Sharon Highland. And of course, our other podcast that we co-host together, 90s Now at 90s Now FM. Like us on Facebook, Kelly Alexander Show. Super excited to welcome to the Kelly Alexander Show, one half of the British production and songwriting duo, Jungle. Hi, Josh. Thanks so much for hanging out. Hello. How are you doing? 
I am great. I am so excited to have you on the show. We have so many things to talk about. First of all, I want to um, ask you about the single, Keep Moving. It's really like got such a great flavor to it. It's like almost like a throwback to like the late 70s, early 80s with this disco feel to it. Um, how did the idea for the single come about? And is that the sound that you are always aiming for? Is that kind of fun feel vibe? Yeah, I mean, Keep Moving was one of the first tracks um, we sort of had. It, it, it wasn't in that form that it's in now. So it actually took quite a, quite a, quite a few number of uh, goes to get it right. It's one of those songs. Some songs come really quickly and they, they're just like there in five minutes. And you're like, well, how, how was it ever supposed to be anything different? And then Keep Moving, we just had this hook, this bum, 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 bum. I was like, oh, that, that's just never going to leave me now. So, And you can keep trying to get it right and just get the most perfect version because I think we kind of knew that like it, it just had this feeling to it, this resonance to it. Um, so we did like 25 different versions for it. And um, finally we got this one that just kind of really kind of popped. And um, yeah, I think um, it was actually written pre pandemic. So a lot of people asking like, Oh, did you write this like for the moment? You know, like it seems like it's a kind of appropriate time to put a track like this out, but it was actually done just before, before the pandemic. And it's somewhat the pandemic kind of slowed us down. It put the brakes on everything because it was such a big sound. And, um, you know, we wanted the, the whole idea was to kind of put something out that was, um, you know, a little bit for the live environment. And I think we wanted like an album full of songs, which would just like, you know, everyone could have fun to and feel good to. So, Yeah. Was it a difficult decision to pick Keep Moving as the lead single? Because I always feel like it must be such a chore. Not a chore, but like you want to come out with the right song. So when it comes to the album, did you have many choices to make to, to get it down to Keep Moving? Um, eh, keep Moving, I suppose we all the singles, I think every track on this album, it's like, you know, we picked it because we love it, you know? And I think that um, for the first time, we've got an album of songs where we just went through and we had we had loads of different ideas. We we're just going through being like, you know, me and T in the studio, like, do we like this? Can we back it? And we're like, yeah, we love this track. So, um, you know, there's four other songs um, that I think we're going to be singles. And, and this one is, um, I think, yeah, it just, it felt the most universal and, and kind of like, a bridging sound between you know there are a couple more singles which like really push off into a new direction for us and and this one was one that kind of sits between the two and like merges everything that jungle you know was and is to us speaking of the pandemic which we mentioned a little bit before how has it influenced the sound that you are creating now and producing with uh with your partner uh, well, I think, you know, we, 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 we were doing something that was a little bit kind of bigger and it was all before the pandemic. So we, we, it wasn't really a, a thing for us. You know, it actually, as I said, slowed us down and it made us kind of go, oh, well, we can't quite put this out just yet because if we put this out, it's going to get lost and we're never going to be able to play it live. And I think these songs, you know, have, have got such a, a big feeling and, and a feeling of like wanting to, you know, celebrate in a field with loads of people and, ha and have fun. And, um, so we kind of had to kind of put the brakes on, which in some ways kind of made us like go, you know, we're waiting for something to happen here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a lot of it was recorded. You know, we did a session at the church studios, which is Paul Epworth's place, which is uh, he worked with Adele on Rolling in the Deep. And um, he's got this big studio. It's, it's, it's a church and we got a load of vocalists in and we did everything in a week. And we had everyone like shouting these these huge hooks. And it's just something we kind of wanted to do is have this kind of really big group vocal and um yeah, it, it sort of just kind of came together quite quickly, but it was about three months before everyone went, stay inside. 
you know. <laughs> when it comes to uh, you specifically, and, and you and Tom, I know you grew up together. What what music did you grow up listening to a lot? And do you find that it still seeps into the music that you're producing today? Yeah, I mean, we grew up listening to some some kind of crazy stuff. When we were young, you kind of listened, we listened to Red Hot Chili Peppers quite a lot and like Rage Against the Machine and uh, a band called Incubus we used to love. Um, so it was kind of rocky. And then, you know, as we as we kind of grew up into our, our teenage years a little bit more, we started listening to like a lot of hip hop. Um, and, and we were into like a lot of UK hip hop. And then, you know, we found like Jay Diller and it was very like, we were into like beat, beat makers. And as we grew up further, we started listening to a lot of Stones Throw stuff and, and and people like knowledge and, and things like that but we've always listened to a wide range of things you know when we were in school we, we did a lot of like listening to like the beach boys and a lot of studying on like classic albums like uh, marvin gay what's going on and, and, and pet sounds and so we've always had like a quite a fluid kind of genreless taste in music and um we kind of just follow what what we feel we like at that point in time and um I think, you know, weirdly, uh, early Red Hot Chili Peppers has always kind of weirdly provided the funk in jungle sound. I don't know. We always wanted to be like playing like John Frusciante guitar. You know, everyone learns that stuff, you know. So, um, yeah, it's probably stuck with us. When it comes to how you guys sound vocally, like I was watching a bunch of YouTube videos earlier today just to prepare for the interview and like your vocal uh, vocals together and with the group, like it's just such a big sound. It's almost like a wall of sound coming at you. And there's even elements to me that sound like uh, Bee Gees influence. Does that, does anybody ever tell, tell you that stuff? Yeah. I mean, obviously we hear that quite a lot. It's um, the Bee Gees thing is just kind of blokes singing up high, you know, <laughs> it's like staying alive. <laughs> it's just one of those things. I think, um, when we started, we always wanted group vocals, you know, the jungle was always about something more than just an individual. It, you know, we were creators and, and, and we kind of directors and producers and, and very much like curators of sound. That's how we always saw ourselves. We never really saw ourselves as like artists or like stars, you know? So um, we kind of always wanted it to be about the group and we always wanted to make music in, in, in that fashion. So, you know, different ways of kind of making the group vocal would come at us. And I think, you know, the first album when we were recording just me and T-Mac in, in, in our bedrooms. It's like, it was just me and him. So we just stacked the vocals up and make all these kind of like, you know, trying to make these vocals stack up. And then this time around, we were like, you know what, let's let's do everything that we thought it was in the beginning. And we got, we got a big group of people in and we sang with like loads of people screaming it. And just that energy just like lifted the lid on, on the sound for us. And we we're like, wow, you know, this, this could go to a whole new height. That's awesome. Now, I understand that you guys uh, either have or will be launching a label. Um, why did you guys decide to take that on? Because that's obviously like a lot of extra work uh, apart from just being artists. Well, I think ultimately at the end of the day, like independent artists is the best way to go. You know, like creatively for us, it's, it's, it's super important to be able to not have people kind of telling you what they want for their business. It is a business thing. And, um, you know, having creative freedom is, is, is it, you know, you don't want someone telling you how to paint a painting, you know, cause that's what's going to sell better for them, you know, and, and ultimately we were lucky on this album. We, you know, we were on Excel for two years, which was an amazing experience. And then this album, we've kind of, you know, got independent and, um, you know, we're super excited to be able to have that, that freedom in terms of what we want to do. And so just launching a little label is, is, 
sort of part of you have to put it out on something, you know. But ultimately, it's uh, it's just out on the internet. These days, you just click upload and it's, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> now, something I have to talk to you about, which I think is fascinating, is obviously over the last year, you know, tours have just been put on, on hold. Um, and a lot of artists are actually even pushing it so far as into... 2022 before they they come back but i love that you guys are feeling optimistic and positive and have actually scheduled dates you're coming to my city montreal in the fall which i'm super excited about so tell us why it was so important for you to like not push the envelope but you guys are getting out there as one of the first bands back yeah i think um ultimately like we we we'd kind of had that in our minds um from weirdly before the pandemic you know some of the dates in england were like booked for then generally so we were lucky enough to get those venues. And like, I know that bands are having like huge difficulties, like trying to find venues because everything's backlogged. And so like, we were kind of weirdly lucky to be in that position, whether they'll go ahead or not. I think we're super optimistic that the world will be back to normal and that, um, you know, some sort of gigs will resume. Um, but obviously it's not completely in our control. So we'll just have to see, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that things are going to be back to back to normal by the end of the summer. And uh, there'll be some sort of, and then next summer, I think there'll be festivals and full on things, but gradually we'll get reintroduced to gigs. So yeah, happy times, hopefully. Happy times. And I know that you are super involved with not only the music part of, of what you guys do, but the visuals. So can you explain to us like the importance of translating your music to music video form? Yeah, so so the visuals are always like a big part of what we do, and um, you know we spend a, spend a long time thinking about that. And and for us, as I said before, you know we're, we're like curators, and um, we've always seen it like weirdly like gorillas, but you know without cartoons. You know we've kind of we cast real life people, and and dance is just such an incredible medium. It's 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 the most freeing um, expression ultimately, and, and and the biggest connection between like soul and body. And I think that. Um, we wanted to do well. We basically wanted to do a video for each track on the album this time. So we um, we decided to kind of we normally when you when you when you release music, you kind of go well, which is the single, and then you go let's make a video for that, and then you wait three months and you go, should we make another video? And and this time, you know, we were lucky enough to have complete control over it. So we were like, we're going to shoot all the videos in very very close to each other. So we ended up doing fourteen videos in five days, which actually turns out to be like three a day um and i was like you know this is this is crazy i don't know if we can actually do this <laughs> like it turns out that it's it, it's like an hour and a half to two hours of actual shooting per video so and people are like you know you guys do this in, in a one shot and you know for us we're always like <laughs> if we started cutting it or editing it it would be it just that's just a whole nother process so for us we switched the camera on and we've got these amazing cast and amazing choreographers and, and, and we just let it sort of happen in some way and 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 capture that so it's a moment in time and i'm really super excited for everyone to just see the rest of the videos which artist or band would you absolutely freak out if you knew that they had listened to your music and your album? Like who would make a huge difference in your life? Uh, I mean, someone like Jay-Z or Kanye West, I suppose they're at the top of the, um, <laughs> you just don't, I just don't think they listen to music. <laughs> so like if they were listening to it, yeah, I'd be, I'd be pretty stoked. We're doing fast facts with Josh from jungle on the Kelly Alexander show. Josh, what is your favorite cheat meal? Cheat meal. Oh, to be honest with you today, I've just had some Stroop waffles, which is a, uh, it's like a uh, thing from Holland and it's like these, just these waffles with a uh, kind of caramel and it's, it's real bad. <laughs> <laughs> but real good, real good. Yeah, um, real good. During the pandemic or lockdown, did you pick up or reignite an old hobby? Did I pick up? Yeah, I, I started painting again. Um, just throwing some paint on a canvas, which is, I think, a super freeing thing to do. So I recommend it to anybody to get off your iPhone and start doing something. 
What is your favorite holiday to celebrate? Birthday, Christmas, Easter? What is it for you? I think Christmas is um, the best holiday because everybody comes together and it's about, about family. And who is the coolest person in your phone apart from your family and friends? Rick Rubin. Nice. That's pretty epic. <laughs> That's good. Now, I'm not sure if you've been to Montreal before, so correct me if I'm wrong, but if you have or have not, what message do you have for your Montreal fans who are obviously super excited to see you in, in a few months? Oh, we, I mean, Canada is such a great place and, um, you know, for us, every time we go there, the reception is amazing. And, um, you know, T's got um, family in Canada as well. So um, it's, it's, like, it's like coming home a little bit for us. Um, but, yeah, we're excited to see everybody up in um, Montreal. Awesome. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for this. We wish you all the best. Your music's really great. Thank you so much. Have a lovely that, day, Kelly. That is uh, Josh hanging out on The Kelly Alexander Show from Jungle. The Kelly Alexander Show. There you go. Another episode of The Kelly Alexander Show. And thank you very much for listening. We always appreciate your time. I want to also thank our guests this week, music editor Sharon Highland and Josh Lloyd from Jungle. Also, a big shout out to our phenomenal producer, Andrew Sabino, for doing such a wonderful job putting the show together. And don't forget that you can listen to us on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, Stitcher Radio. We would love if you have a moment to drop us a review. And of course, follow us on all of our social media by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an amazing week. You and I will chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.